You are tuned in to the Rookie Runners Podcast. Just getting back from the uh, gym for a strength training session. I've been doing a lot more strength training, at least twice a week. Got to work on my core and my hip flexors, trying to get stronger, trying to become a stronger runner. It's been working out pretty well. I was thinking today, in any athletic pursuit, I'm a big believer in listening to your body and doing what's right for you. We're all different. We have different goals. And at times we respond differently to a similar workout as someone else, right? So what it boils down to is you are your only competitor. So make the best of your pursuit, be your best, and just keep pursuing your goals. And in doing so, you may discover a strength or ability that you didn't even know existed. So stay the course. Welcome to episode 14. Let's get right to it. Welcome to the Rookie Runners Podcast, a show that explores the challenges and conversations runners are having as they begin their running journey. We run to become the best versions of ourselves, embrace the process, and enjoy each and every step. Now, here's your host, Ray Gerard. Hope you are well. I'm doing great. I always make sure that whatever words I put in front of I am is positive because I also believe that we become what we think about most of the time. Whatever we dwell on most of the time is what we gravitate towards, right? So I am doing great. Even though some days are better than others, I'm always on the side of positivity. Speaking of positivity, I was on Twitter earlier today and I saw a tweet from Meb Kaftaziggi, one of my favorite runners, where he said, and I quote here, Due to injury and COVID, it has been 45 days since the last time I ran. Today's two-mile run might not be a 5K, a 10K, a half, or a full marathon, but it was a good start towards one. Just excited to run again. And he signed off with the hashtag run to win. That's a great reminder from a legend that it is okay sometimes to take a break when the need arises. We don't need to be crushing it all the time through injury, through illness. Running and sports isn't going anywhere. So stay safe, stay healthy, and get back to it when you need to, whatever you need to do. We have a great show up ahead for you today. I'm so excited. My guest today is Amanda Morley. I was editing the uh, podcast and I was just so inspired by what we talked about. So let's get right to it. I will be right back in segment two with Amanda Morley. You are listening to the Rookie Runners Podcast. Be inspired to be a better runner today. And remember, you're always your toughest competitor. We run to find some part of ourselves yet undiscovered. Embrace the process and enjoy the journey. And now, stepping back to the mic, here is Ray Gerard. Hello, Amanda. Hello, hello, Ray. How are you? Great to have you. Welcome to the Rookie Runners Podcast. I'm so glad to have you join me. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I wanted to thank you just for, yeah, having me as a part of your show. Super excited to sit down and chat with you. I love running. That's great. (laughs) Fantastic. Let me give my audience a little bit of background. Your fitness and athletic journey has been simply amazing. Thank you, you. Yeah, you went from being a star high school and NCAA college track and field athlete 
to becoming a six-time national team and world-class athlete, as well as the alternate for the 2006 and 2010 Winter Olympics. And that was (laughs) in the sport of bobsledding. How cool is that? It was cold, that's for sure. Most people only know Cool Runnings, Ray. They know that yeah. movie from the Jamaican bobsled team. Yes, that I remember is, that well. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah, so definitely. It's, it was a journey that I really enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah, and of course, you are now the owner and founder of Fortify Coaching, a performance and mindset coaching company for athletes. So let's dig right into it and unpack it all. Tell us how it all started and how did the journey unfold for you over the years? Okay. Well, as you said, I started off as a runner. I really believe that runners are built from grit, sweat, tears, mud, rain, snow. And I started my running career, if you will, um, in second grade in the great Mm -hmm. state of Washington. And running always gave me, you know, just this opportunity to truly be free. Like I always felt free when I was running, but it was really the platform and the launching pad for my world athletic career um and i went from being a sprinter in high school and i was recruited um to the university of nebraska Mm -hmm. where i did the 400 meter hurdles and then they said hey amanda you're a hammer thrower and i thought to myself but i love running i don't want to be a thrower um but i tried it and it ultimately was what led to me being a bobsled athlete so i went from sprinting on ice or sprinting on the track to sprinting on ice for you know six seconds but it really showed me that you never know what doors will open up and really running helped me to find that part of myself that was undiscovered and it opened up so many other doors for me so that's the beauty of running you know you you just never know where it's going to lead you it's a journey as a track and field athlete what was your favorite running event before you went into the hammer throwing Oh, my favorite running event. Well, honestly, I just loved to run. Like, I just loved the feeling of really competing. And so Mm -hmm. I remember even at a young age, um, I started, you know, really a little bit later in in sports. But I would always, you know, ask my mom, mom, time me for things like that memory game. You know, I always loved to compete with myself. In elementary school, our PE teacher was, which who was um, the one that introduced me really to running, um, he had a doing juggling and unicycle and jump roping, all these different skills. And so really what came from that is this love to compete. And then on the track, I was able to do that with myself and against my competitors. And so I always felt that I I really felt, you know, that movie Chariots of Fire, it says when I run, I feel God's presence. And I totally feel that. Like I knew that I was made to really move my body, to be strong, to be fast. And I just wanted to refine and strengthen my body even more. More. So I can't say that I had one event that I loved more than the next because I just really loved competing in that sense of freedom. That's great. Love the competition. And I think I've told you I was a track athlete in high school as well. And yeah. one of my favorites was the uh, the hurdles, the uh, 110 meter hurdles. That was kind of a, an interesting event. You had to be well prepared for that type of uh, that type hurdles of event. Are- 
pretty dynamic hurdles are. They definitely, I mean, when I got recruited to Nebraska, they said, well, you don't have great form, but we can teach you and we'll give you another 100 meters and two more hurdles. And little did I know the quarter hurdles is probably one of the toughest track and field events. I think that and steeplechase, I always think, oh my goodness, (laughs) these two events are crazy. And so I was actually, you know, it, it took a little convincing for me to try to go to the field side of things. But because I had that speed, it helped me to be successful within the hammer throwing arena as well. So it's pretty awesome and fun. That's great. And uh, as far as a a hammer thrower, uh, you won some major competitions, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was conference champion. So University of Nebraska at the time, we were um, the Big 12. So I think it's the Big 10 now um, that I was able to, you know, win conference a few times. And I didn't have any background, but really all of my strengths, my physical strength, and then of course my speed from being on the track and always loving the running. I was always a small thrower, but I was super dynamic and fast in the ring. And so um, for the hammer throw and the weight throw as well, it was just, you you know, I, I believe it was a part of a bigger plan and it was a part of my path because when I was leaving the national meet my senior year in California, that's when the head coach for the U.S. National Bobsled Team approached me and introduced himself and asked me to come up for a tryout for the U.S. National Bobsled Team. So I wouldn't have chose, you know, hammer throwing per se, but I'm super glad that running actually led to the next experience, which was throwing and then to bobsledding. Which is now a perfect segue because now you went from uh, track and field, the hammer event, and now a transition from running on the track to running on ice and working with a bobsled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it required a different mindset, right? Absolutely right. One of the things, I mean... It's you're hitting all these different angles and depend. It doesn't matter your distance. Like there is technique and technical components to running as is. And so then imagine go ahead and put not just an athlete on the ice and have them do it, but also pushing a 300 pound plus sled. So when the when the coaches were recruiting for bobsled athletes, they were really looking for athletes that were strong that could push the sled because you're hitting all of these these different angles as a Mm -hmm. sprinter you know there's certain angles but then when you're applying force to this heavy object and trying to get it to go the highest velocity in six seconds um definitely it becomes more about how you apply your strength and speed um and really using these driving steps to create momentum and acceleration and one thing that we always you know really stressed was that last Step, it has to be a propelling step that really moves the slide forward mm-hmm. versus a braking step that breaks your momentum. So every step being the most efficient that it can be um, and then maximizing that efficiency during that small start on the track, that became even more important than it was on the, on the track because um, on the ice, you really, you really got to maximize each and every one of those steps to have the fastest velocity and the speed at the top. That's great. And I'm sure it helps that you were a fast runner to begin with. So that helped. 
didn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was, I was like, and I was always more of a power athlete too. So as a sprinter, it was like, okay, short distances. Um, but when I started out, right, I actually loved running distance. I remember when I was younger, I just wanted to go out and run. Yeah. And in Washington state, there's so much rain. And I just remember all the puddles. And I remember, you know, there's another level. I really, like I said before, I believe that runners are built. And that's the piece that I love about working with athletes now as a coach, because um, there are these levels of really building up your mind and building up your body mm-hmm. through the training sessions and through your runs. But I remember that. And even still, when, when I go out for runs, it's just like, let's go. You know, it feels amazing just to get out on the road and to go into that zone. So that's, it's super, yeah, that's really great. cool. So off to the Olympics, you went, you were an athlete for the United States in 2006 and then Canada in 2010. How did this dual opportunity come about for you? Yeah, well, you know, once, honestly, I had never flown before and I left for college. So I left for college and that was really, it opened up a whole new door for me. And then bobsledding and, you know, I remember at the time I said to the coach, uh, Mr. Bill Tavares, he was um, recruiting me and he said, you know, just come up and give it a try. And I said, bobsledding, isn't that cold and dangerous? Yeah, and right. I love telling <laughs> that story because really I, you know, I am not a big fan of roller coasters and all of these different things, but I thought, well, maybe this is what I'm, you know, this is the next step. And so um, once I went up to Lake Placid and, and it was pretty, you know, we saw that it was a great fit. They put me on a flight to Europe and that was my first experience of international competition, which mm-hmm. I was hooked. I had always had a hunger for travel. Uh, my mom is a Canadian citizen. She was from St. Kitts and Nevis. And then my dad is American. So I've, I'm a dual citizen. And initially when I was pr- approached by Bill for the U.S. team, mm-hmm. um, that was in 2002. So to 2002 to 2006, I was with the U.S. team. And then leading up to the Vancouver Games, um, 08 to 2010, I was up in Canada and all the while we were training up in Canada because of the great facilities there. But that was how I had the opportunity to represent both countries and, you know, really be a part of two different national teams and alternate for um, those Olympic teams. That's awesome. And your team did really well. You were the alternate for the gold medal team in 2010 and the silver medal team in 2006. That's awesome. What what was your greatest memory in the sport? Well, you know, honestly, I mean, it was a lot of tracks all over the world. I think there were two pieces that I really, you know, stick out to me. Of course, competing at the highest level with the best athletes in your discipline. Um, yeah. It's just, it's super inspiring and it just really causes you to level up and to want to really improve your skill and traveling all over the world, you know, Switzerland, Italy, Austria, Germany, like all over the place on the World Cup. Um, just having that experience was incredible and in the process, I actually met my husband and so awesome. um, he was a physiotherapist for the Monaco bobsledding team um, and he was living in southern France, but he's Danish and so we uh, we met on the World Cup and we got to explore the world together. And of course, you know, we got to experience bobsledding at the highest level. Of course, um, yeah. And then he proposed to me after uh, my team won gold in 2010. It was amazing. Um, wow. And so we, we got engaged <laughs> that same night. The girls brought home uh, one of our, you know, Kaylee and Heather um, brought home the gold medal. And then um, Shelly Ann and Helen brought home the silver medal for Canada. 
Vegas. So that was a home games. Uh, you know, I really, it was the next chapter for my life as well as I was planning to transition out of sport. And we got married in San Diego. We moved to Denmark. So I was able, we lived over in Denmark for about six years. And that's when I started my coaching um, career. And we gave birth to our little boy who's now almost, almost nine years old. So um, awesome. our little boy Reese was born in Sweden. So definitely have had an international experience thanks to bobsledding and yes, all of the adventures that we were on all over the, the icy slopes yes. of Europe as well as North America. Yeah. Some great memories, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And your son, is he uh, preparing to become an athlete himself? <laughs> well, naturally, Ray. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because I don't, you know, I definitely, I believe that there's something in us when we find that place where we're like, man, this is my jam. For me, that was sport. And there is my, my son, Reese, he plays lacrosse. Um, he's getting back into football. He really loves that. He does jujitsu. So he's very active, mm -hmm. has a lot of energy, is a really strong kiddo. And I'll never forget, uh, lacrosse was a sport that he picked up a year ago. It was the first time. And it's not such a huge sport. Um, it, on the west coast at least it's more of an east coast sport but now it's coming to the southwest and the west coast a bit more and so we picked it up and tried it and right he was at uh practice and i go hey buddy how did that feel you looked amazing like he was just kind of out out of his body and just like really in flow like he's really in state and i asked him i go how did that feel he's like mom that was incredible. And I go, yeah, I go, he goes, it just, it just felt so good. And I go, Oh my goodness. And I said to him, I said, you know, I really remember that first time I had that feeling too. And it's almost like you just want to jump for joy in your body because you know that you're doing exactly what you were designed to do and you're yes. strengthening your body and you're really like, you know, I really believe that's when you feel like your highest high and you really feel like God's presence and power and all of that and so to see my little boy have this experience he's like exactly mom and I was yeah like, oh, it was so <laughs> wonderful but absolutely he is an athlete um i've already talked to him i said well you know the la games the la you know, <laughs> 2028 games uh all of those things so i really you know plant seeds of success early on i think yes. it's an important thing for all of us to do is we start to really sit with like how do we become our best selves how do we show up and inspire the next generation it's all about asking those questions and really having a vision for what's to come so i definitely plant those seeds you better believe it I, with that little boy i love it i agree because you know as you know i have three kids and i truly believe that we owe it to them uh, to plant those seeds so they can grow and know what's possible within them. Absolutely. And it, Absolutely. it made a difference. So your, mm -hmm. your story is really inspiring from going to the track, from, from the track to the field and then on to bobsledding to the Olympics. It's really, truly inspiring. Mm, next, thank you. Yes. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about your work as a performance and mindset coach. So let's take That's a awesome. short break and I'll be right back and we'll continue discussing. Okay. Thanks, Ray. Sure. All right. And we are back with Amanda Morley. 
Hey, Amanda. Hey, Ray. How's it going? It's going well. And uh, you are a performance and mindset coach, and you believe in preparing both physically and mentally. Let's talk about that a little bit. How might one that's new to running or to athletics develop the mental fortitude and habit for staying the course and not giving up over the years? Mm, that's a great question. I, you know, I really, I love working with athletes in particular um, because of their high performance mindset. It's kind of ingrained, especially with runners. Um, runners have a very unique relationship with their bodies because you got a lot of time to think and to feel and to be present, right? On especially for long runs, and then for shorter, you know, runners or athletes really of any nature, there's this connection to your performance, and how you're feeling. So I find that there's a heightened awareness. And also, you know, athletes just love to achieve. They're, they're high achievers, you yes, know, they for do. the most part, you know? And mm-hmm. so that inspires me as a coach and as a former athlete because I can identify with it. And now the work that I get to do is really helping them to develop the skills of what it takes to build the gym of their mind up to be as strong and as sound as their physical body is. So you have to nourish your body and you got to nourish your mind. You got to protect your body and you got to protect your mind. And so really to have long-term fortitude, it's really looking at those two components of how you're showing up on your daily runs to your games, even to practice in such a way that you've prepared mentally and physically to execute, to have a great race, to have a great run, to have a great competition but really, you know, protecting your mind from the negativity and so being very selective of the circle and the community that you're keeping. I find that those are things that give longevity and also fulfillment to, to the journey of being an athlete. So mindset is huge yes. and it's coupled with, with the performance. And that ultimately is where you see the greatest fulfillment and success. And it's all about results, right? That's what you want to get. So you combine yeah. both the mindset and the physical work. The name of your company is Fortify Coaching. How long Mm -hmm. have you been uh, running Fortify Coaching and uh, what made you decide to transition to coaching after being an athlete? Well, we are going through a beautiful rebranding period right now with Fortify. I started coaching about nine years ago, shortly after I retired from sport as a bobsled athlete. And the thing that I really, you know, I knew, I knew that I had had access to world-class coaches, to some mm-hmm. of the knowledge and experience that people just didn't know. And I truly believe in coaching, um, not just because I am one, but because I believe that there's also blind spots in our lives that we don't always see, we don't always know about. And so to have that accountability and an outside pair of eyes that really is invested in you being your best, whether it's in the classroom, on the field, like whatever it is, as you're moving towards achieving those results, like you said, I think it's super important. So I started um, nine years ago, I was really more in the fitness and the health space, really helping people to lose weight, um, which I loved. I loved the nutritional components. I did in-home cooking sessions with my clients. Um, And then my background is in Chinese medicine. So I really brought in these holistic approaches to how are you bringing health and well-being into your body. And when I shifted into mindset, honestly, it was around the time that we started to see the shifts in our world, right? So we've had 
quite a quite an interesting last couple years and i realized that the need for mental resilience has never been more important and i saw that with my son as he was you know moving through the different structure of school with being at home with me all these different dynamics but i also saw it with some of the other athletes that i was working with um the importance of mindset and really like being fortified in the mind and so that's why we moved into the space of athletic and performance specifically really helping athletes to perform and to to work that muscle um, in their mind work that gym upstairs yes agreed and you mentioned uh, chinese medicine tell us a little bit more about that what what does that entail is it mostly sure. herbs and uh, a diet Tell us. Yeah, so I definitely, um, I always knew this was in between my competition um, with the U.S. and the Canadian teams. I had always wanted to go into the medical profession. It's what I was going to school for with my undergrad and studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what resonated with me most, Ray, about traditional Chinese medicine was the fact that it really looked at the whole individual. And it was always how I had approached, you know, um, really, I thought coaching, you know, any of my great coaches, they didn't just think about how was I performing? It was like, okay, what else is going on? How are, how are all these different components of your performance and how are they being impacted? And so to have that within the health and medical field, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so different than just putting a bandaid on something and calling it good. You're able to get to the root of what's going on, really empower clients and patients to see, oh, these are some of the things that I can do. So So it entails, you know, acupuncture, massage therapy, Mm -hmm. herbs, as well as nutrition. And so actually, um, quite recently when COVID hit, I was doing more within that space. And I was so grateful to be able to pivot back into coaching just because of the dynamics of, you know, not being able to be in proximity with people and those different things. So being able to still serve and be of service, but doing it in a way that I felt was really relevant through the mindset and performance components, but still using the approach of looking at the whole individual and recognizing that we're not robots. These things impact us. And so I always say how you do one thing is how you do everything. So when we're able to find a pattern of what's going on, we're able to really empower that athlete or that client to really have results they've never seen before. That's awesome. And you mentioned, you know, in the age and the year of COVID last year, we had to change the way we do business, right? Forced us to get creative too, mm-hmm. right? Really, exactly. You know, I think sometimes it's kind of like a training session. Sometimes you'll do the same thing. Your body just kind of gets used to doing the same, same. But when you change it up, you actually see what you're really capable of, what you really can do. And I find those were always some of the most fulfilling runs or training sessions when you kind of surprise yourself with what's possible. You surprise yourself with what you can actually do. And so I think definitely that's something that within business and within life, we had to really pivot and make that shift and get creative, you know, things are always happening for us, not to us. And so I really believe that. So it was a really great segue into the next chapter, which I'm super grateful for. That's awesome. I've read a few quotes from your site that resonated well with me and made me think, Mm -hmm. love it. And I have a few of those that come to mind. And one is a belief alone does not take you across the finish line. Life is a dance between what you desire most and what you fear most. Please elaborate on that. I thought that was really insightful. 
I love that. I, mm-hmm. When I heard that, I wrote it down. And, um, you know, I think truly, you know, there's sometimes we look at things and things that are difficult. It's like, oh, well, do we want to do it? And it's just back and forth. But I believe that life is really a dance between what you want the most and the things that you fear the most. And for me, like, I remember I am not a fan of roller coasters, right? I do not like roller coasters. They are not fun for me. I am not the Disneyland girl. That is just not for me. (laughs) And so for anybody that knows bobsledding, it's a mile long track of an icy roller coaster. And so I had to really like dig deep and say, hey, do you want to be an elite level athlete or do you want to be scared of roller coasters? And I decided that I was like, I may not like them, but I'm going to dance and I'm going to really, you know, dance on that line between like the thing that I really don't like and the thing that I really want. And I think we all have those opportunities, Um, you know, believing that you can and thinking that you can, it's not enough. There comes moments in time when you have to make a decision from an emotional state of what you truly believe versus your feelings because your feelings come and go. They change all the time. Yes. But your emotional state of I am going to make this decision and I'm going to go out and do it. And then also being, you know, prepare. We talk about the four P's within Fortify preparation, perspective, process and perseverance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, success. One of the other quotes that I love is success is often buried on the other side of frustration. Yes. I I believe that. Yeah. It's so true because really, at some point you've got to make a decision if your feelings are governing everything that you're doing it's kind of you know like you know just being blown in the wind but when you make a decision and you take steps and action that supports that decision that's when you know you're moving from a state that's strong and that ultimately is going to get you the results that you want in your life agreed and you know you mentioned that the uh, the bobsled track is one mile I'm interested in knowing, I'm sure the audience wants to know too, how long does it take the bobsled to cover that mile? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. So, well, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions. Maybe we'll do another another podcast on all the details of bobsledding. But okay. um, the tracks are all different. So every track in the world is different. Some of them are faster. Mm-hmm. Some of them are slower. The Vancouver track um, is the fastest track in the world. And so... Um, it really varies. If you have a really great pilot, Kaylee Humphreys, um, she recently won another world championship and she's, you know, she's an incredible athlete. She was the one that drove to gold in 2010. Um, typically it's under a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> over a minute is over a minute is a very bad run. Wow. And at the same time, at the start, um, the brakeman and the driver push, the driver jumps in, and then the brakeman, which was my position, pushes, and a bad start is, you know, six seconds is a bad start, for example. That would be okay. a really bad start, you know? And okay. so literally it's like five seconds and under 60 seconds to the bottom uh, with the twists and the turns and the G-forces all in between. Wow. The reason I ask is, you know, as runners, we tend to be obsessed with time. We want to know how yes. long. <laughs> but that's great. That's good to know. I had no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. And you also said that it is important to remain a student and a master of your craft. Mm-hmm. So not not just you have to keep learning, right? I take that as being a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Would that be I, your perspective? 
Absolutely, Ray. Um, really having a healthy perspective, too, of your skill, like really knowing what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Um, and, you know, just being objective about it. It's like, okay, I'm really great at this and I want to continue to hone and to work and to refine in this area. But then also to become a master of your craft, um, you know, it takes coaching, it takes community, and yes. you really just don't know what you don't know. And my uh -huh. Angelou, I love one of the quotes she always said, when you know better, you can do better. Um, but you have blind spots because you're human. And so that's why it's so important to have that feedback. And that's what I found. One of the greatest lessons that I learned as I was transitioning out of sport and into business was that. It's really important to have coaches that are very skilled at what they do, but enable you to identify and realize some of those blind spots or they, they point them out to you. So then you can take the knowledge that you know and you can go out and that's your next threshold. So you're always improving being both the student as well as mastering your craft. I agree. And even the very best in the world still need coaching. You see, so that's why coaching, I agree with you, is very important. Yeah. And finally, Amanda, what's next for you? What's next for Fortify Coaching? I'm sure you have more goals <laughs> to achieve, more pursuits, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I always, I am so grateful for what I have. I'm so grateful for the journey and I'm so excited for what's to come. Genuinely, I love people. I love working with our clients. And so we're excited to help more athletes. We're excited to really help athletes and high achievers to blast through their barriers. And so really, you know, helping people when they've hit a plateau and they want to have a breakthrough and they just don't really have the tools and know how right. um, as well as like when they know in their hearts, maybe they've hit success at their highest level, whatever that is, and they know they're capable of more, but they're not getting there. It's like they're stuck at like 75 or 80%, but they want to get to 100%. I call it 80% to excellent. Um, and that, mm -hmm. you know, people, athletes that are in that space, as well as just struggling to stay or to find in their state, you know, their performance state, um, whether it's, you know, on on the road, on the track, or just in life, you know, really bouncing back from setbacks, from injuries, and staying inspired so they're continuing to be fulfilled. Um, that's what we're looking to do. So we definitely want to help more athletes. Uh, we want to continue to solidify within our online communities as well as, you know, our, our communities here in North America, um, mindset, resilience, performance, recovery, and celebration. Those are really our five pillars, and I believe all of those are important to really have fulfillment uh, within life and sport. And then we're going to be launching an app, which I'm super excited about. Uh, Excellent. The Mindset app. So that's going to be coming in the springtime. So we're offering to our first 300 community members um, that get on our launch list. They get a free preview, um, get to use it, give me some feedback on it. So that's going to be a, a great new piece that we're integrating in. So those would be the main things that are coming, I guess, in the next six months for us as we continue to build. We really want to be a great resource of inspiration, but also tools and practical resources for runners and athletes across the board. That's great. And, you know, there's something exciting to me, knowing that my coach is a world, was a former world-class athlete. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> you've been in the trenches. You've been, true. You've, you've worked well, hard to get to I where you were. Say, 
You yes. want to work with somebody that has been where you want to go or they are where you want to go. And so I still, I invest in coaches. I have incredible coaches, um, you know, for my physical body, for my business. I invest every single month and I always will. So I'm, I always say, don't work with a coach that doesn't have a coach. And if you don't yes. have a coach, there's likely blind spots that if you really want to level up and maximize your capacity, um, it's one of the, you know, you would always go to somebody that has at least some idea when it comes to the mental piece of where it is you want to be. And so it's super, super important. I love coaching. I love what I get to do. I love sharing it on social. So you guys can find us at Fortify underscore coaching on Instagram. Okay. And all of our social media right now is um, our website and everything is all being revamped. So that'll be up and running. But really, I answer all of my um, DMs. I'm in there personally for the Fortify underscore coaching um, page. And yeah, you can also book a, a discovery call and, and our team can get you connected with me. And I'm happy to jump on a call and just see what you're working with. If there's any resources we have that can serve you and support you, we're happy to do that. So you can just send us a DM um, on our Instagram page as well. That is great. Thank you for sharing. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, Ray. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for taking the time to share your journey, a wonderful journey. I wish you the very best moving forward. Keep building, keep shining. And because the athletic world will benefit from your inspiration and motivation. So mm. keep doing what you're doing. I love it. I wish you the well, very best. Thank you so much, Ray. And likewise, thank you for just inspiring, especially new runners. I think that we're all, you know, on a journey and we're all at some point, we're all new. You know, we're all novice and we're all new. We keep that mindset, keeps it really fun as well. So thank you for having me. And I'm excited to, yeah, just continue to follow your success as well in your community. So keep up the great work, Ray. Thank you so much, Amanda. I appreciate it. Take care, and we will talk again soon, okay? Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Welcome to segment three. Had a great time chatting with Amanda about her running journey. It was a lot of fun. It also brought back some memories of my time as a high school track athlete. Yes, many of you know, in my junior and senior year of high school, I was a sprinter. I ran the 110-meter hurdles as well as the 400-meter hurdles. That was my jam. I enjoyed it. As we used to say, I enjoyed cutting up the track. (laughs) I never liked distance running. In fact, when coach made us run distance with the cross-country guys so we could build endurance, I would take shortcuts. Yeah. (laughs) Just wanted to sprint. That's all. But look at me now. I am running marathons. You never know what running is going to call you to do. But I do remember those high school days. We had a hill called Steel Hill where we'd go to do our hill sprints. And you know when a hill has a name, it's got to be a serious hill, right? Well, this one was, for sure. I never forgot it. But going back to my days with my coach in high school, he was the one that had the greatest influence on me. He's the one that helped me to develop my love for running and competition. 
he instilled in me the concept of running as a metaphor for life that I've never forgotten. Very often, when we share our experience and our philosophy about sports, running in particular, it serves to inspire and motivate those around us. That is the spirit in which the Rookie Runners podcast came to be, to bring runners together to talk about the conversations, the challenges that we're facing, that we're having. And in the process, it helps to inspire and motivate others. And that's what I hope to continue to do. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. So let's keep the conversation going. You can find the podcast on social media. We are the Rookie Runners Podcast on Instagram, Rookie Runners on Facebook, Runner underscore Rookie on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? I love Twitter. Check us out there as well. And of course, subscribe and listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, you name it, Podbean, Anchor.fm. Check us out. Until the next episode, be well. Stay safe and run happy. Happy.